Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to SSG Speaks, the podcast that takes you inside the walls of Camelot. Meet the knights that made sword and shield gaming what it is. So pour yourself a flask of your favorite mead and join us for an inside look at the fine folks that sit at the round table. Hello and welcome to SSG Speaks, episode number one. SSG Speaks is the first podcast from the gaming community, Sword and Shield Gaming. We wanted a way to know our community members a little better here, so each episode we're going to be interviewing a member of the community. And this first episode is going to be a little different here because we're going to be interviewing myself, SSG J-Man. So taking on the interview roles today are SSG Gambit and SSG Ghost Rider. So, you know, we've done couple different things with with ssg as far as like interviewing and the way we want to present profiles and stuff like that with with different members and so you know initially when when we kind of started ssg we wanted it to be we wanted public availability of of our profiles so like on the forums and on the website we had the text version where people could go and we could see who all the knights were and, and you there was a publicly accessed page for each person that they would update and you know people could reply to and all that kind of stuff so you know we started with that form and then we went to a formal ssg speaks way where we had an interview on paper right we had like a blog format where people would would be interviewed so we've had a couple different variations of that and we've talked over the years you know we've tinkered around with talking about doing podcasts and doing um or you know video interviews or you know some kind of video show and now we finally have done audio and obviously you and Remy you and I have done video before as well so cool so uh, today we are talking to Jay or SSG J-Man is it still SSG J-Man 16 I don't even know anymore no no 16 no, 16. Okay. 16 got removed and I finally added the uh, the SSG oh okay okay so it was always J-Man 16 that's how I met you mm-hmm. um, and that's because he was born in 2016 so that's right <laughs> yeah yeah You've got a young in here. And Gambit, how many names have you had? You've, you've gone through, what, like 40 Dude, name changes? Dude, I don't even I'm going to need you to settle them. I don't even know, honestly. I lost count long ago. But hey, I've, I've stuck with Gambit for some time now. It's been a minute. It's true. We all had an identity crisis for a little while, but that's, that's you know. Hey, 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 Johnny Cakes, calm down I was, over I there. Was, I was John Cakes for a while. <laughs> so keep that in mind. That's right. So Jay here is the founder of SSG. He is the our Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jayman. He created SSG. It's his brainchild, and um, I know you've gone over this in a number of places, as you said. But where did it come from? Um, just because this is a fresh format, let's let's get the origin story. Just roll that up real quick, and how did we get here? We just we got to see Batman's parents die one more time, don't we? Uh, like you just every time, no, every time no. you got to see. Use it. the Spider-Man analogy. Really loves, loves that part. I know you love Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we all three of us here. You know, we started um, our more modern gaming roots over at TTL at Tide the Leader, and so you know we we got to enjoy gaming there. And met each other there. So, you know, we started playing there. And, and I think initially kind of the goal for a lot of people was that we would kind of get inducted into TTL, right? We would all become yeah. uh, gunslingers and kind of join TTL. I, th- I think that obviously that was everybody's goal at some point. And it grew out of that when we kind of did our own thing, right? Like we just be kind of came our own group Allies within for the win. TTL, right? Allies for the win. So, you know, we were already our own thing. And that just happened organically. 
which you know is probably the best way it could have happened where we were all playing all night you know we were playing every night with a with a rotating cast of people and so when it came to you know is ttl the best fit for us right for the allies for the win like it, it, you know because i don't think we would have all you know even if we would have been inducted it certainly would not have been all at one time no and and as we've seen from personal friends of ours who get into ttl like for better or worse like once you're in ttl it kind of seemed like they kind of disappeared right from the public face like yeah. you know they be, they they became a gunslinger and then that you just didn't hear from them much or, or see from them much and so you know from a little bit of fear of that happening and we already had this this culture going of of our allies for the win so just decided hey let's just do our own thing and coincidentally it seemed like the three of us had that idea about the same time (laughs) 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 indeed hell in commandos that's right yeah so to to uh elaborate on that john you broke off was it what the same day was it within a couple days Um, uh it was very close i want to say that i left first by a couple of days because like Jay, when you made uh, the SSG stuff, like the Howling Commandos was already a thing, as much as it right. was, you know. And I mean, right. not that it was even a thing; it was the, you know, the four of us. <laughs> or, no, five more or less, five or six of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was five people. It was me and Remy and Joe. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I was dating somebody, and she was there, and Joe was too, and she was there. So that, that was it. It was two couples, and Remy was the awkward fifth wheel. That's so, right. <laughs> Um, as always, oh, right. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, but basically, it was that it was that same kind of mentality of like, hey, you know, um, most of the friends that that we made there were within the allies. Like, you know, I mean, sure, like there was some gunslingers that I knew, and you know, I can you know say that I'm still in touch with absolutely maybe one of them. I'm going to one's wedding soon. Well, there you go. Um, well, yeah, probably the same one that I'm still in touch with. Probably. Right. So, yeah. And so, um, you know, it was that kind of thing is like, you know, what, what are we doing? Why are we, why are we pushing towards this thing when we could have our own thing? And so, you know, uh, you know, we kind of stepped away and did this thing, uh, with the Howling Commandos, basically a bang, bang play with Jay that did the SSG thing. And obviously, uh, well, one's still here and one's not, which I'm not mad about, you know, uh, how it ended up, but. I mean, the the fact that we were all kind of on that same page at the same time kind of shows that, uh, you know, and funnily enough, SSG is the only, uh, out of all those things, that is still even around, I think, which is... Yeah, I, I don't know that TTL is really even active anymore. That's what I mean. The uh, the GGN as a whole kind of disintegrated. Yeah, so, yeah, so many of it kind of fell apart, but the, you know, the friendships that we forged are still here, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And... The, the original allies more or less are all still around, you know, I, I think. Yeah. There, um, there are a few I can think of that, uh, you don't see anymore, but ultimately yeah, there's some turkey the sandwiches that, that are being eaten and, and things like that. So <laughs> I, I am wearing my tuxedo for this interview. Yeah. Well, obviously that, that was, that was discussed as the appropriate attire for, yeah. I mean, we are this. out of orange juice, but right. <laughs> I, I did what I could. <laughs> so SSG is now a decade old. And we've had how many lands now? I think we've had officially maybe four. Four? Four or five. Okay. Yeah, the most recent was in Vegas, which was awesome. Um, was there Vegas, Atlanta, Chicago? Was Chicago one? Yes. Yep. St. Louis. There you St. go. St. Louis. Okay. So, so that, that's that. And how long 
after SSG's creation uh, did we get into the GGN. And by the way, folks, the GGN is the Good Game Network. It was a group of clans, I think 14 at its max. There's a lot of acronyms. Stick with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, there'll be a test later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pop quiz at the end of class. That's right. So how, how many years did it take us to get into the GGN? Uh, it was within the first year, I think, or maybe just after the first year. Was it that quick? Okay. Yeah, I honestly yeah, it, it, it was that. Yeah. It was that quick, but it felt long to me because we were basically trying from day one. Right. You know, so it, it was kind of like the, the, the process of, you know, any one of these clans that were in the GG and they all had some kind of, you know, they have some kind of induction process, right? Where you, where you say you want to get in then you got to meet everybody, play with everybody, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And it was the same thing, but, but our whole clan had, had to do that. Right. So our whole clan had to, had to play with not just one clan. We had to, you know, kind of play and meet and, and talk with all make these other nice. clans and all these other people. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> really had to kind of make a name for ourselves, which we hadn't really at that point because we were still pretty small because we were newer. Um, I mean, obviously, some of the people knew us, you know, especially that core, like Allies for the Wind, the, yeah. that the core that started it. You know, we were kind of known around the GGN a little bit, but um, but some of those newer people were not, and we hadn't really proven ourselves as a clan. And the GGN, you, you know, wasn't into just willy-nilly accept, accepting people, right? They, did, right? they didn't want to just let any clan in. Like, the process was, it was long to begin with, and and fairly arduous for for really what it was um, but i like that right i like that there was high standards that there was only you know 12 to 14 clans total that were ever in it you know when it was at its max yeah i completely agree so jay how many since this is your brainchild and you you've played with everyone in the clan that is currently inducted i assume how many have yes. you had an opportunity to meet would you say give me a percentage do you think in person how many people have you actually gotten to meet i would say if you look at all all of the members ever that we've had, I think yeah. we're somewhere about ninety seven total people that we've ever had. We're right under a hundred, and I bet I've met not quite half. I'll, I'll bet I'll, I'll bet I'm in the thirty to forty range, maybe. That's not half bad. I, I've got a, uh, yeah, a follow I mean, up it, question there as well. Uh, out of those thirty or forty that you've met, how many did you show your washer dryer setup to? <laughs> It's reserved for very special members. Right, right, right. And and so it's it's only been one. Oh, well, interesting. <laughs> well, whoever that one is is a lucky guy or gal. <laughs> Jesus. We got to dig up for the thumbnail, that picture of you two playing the Connect game. Uh, it is pretty good. I, I think I do have that. You'll have to. That's when my shoot was so long, my dad made me come home and get a haircut. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it was, it was pretty intense. <laughs> oh, man. So I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of these interviews are gonna are gonna be rife with uh, with innuendo and uh, inside jokes. And well, people, people are just gonna have to deal with it. Yeah, that that's kind of SSG, and we tend to go off the rails. That is kind of what we yeah. do, which is. And to be yeah, fair, the the educated listener probably could put two and two together of what's happening right now. One would assume. <laughs> yeah. So stepping aside from SSG, Jay, tell us about you. Yes. What you do for a living? What you you know? Who's Jay? In a nutshell, I am a paramedic, so I'm a paramedic full time. So I, uh, you know, no big deal. I just save lives every day when I'm at work. <laughs> I think the technical term for that is ambulance driver. Yes, yes, yes. Please ambulance. Proceed. Ambulance driver. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I live in the Midwest and I work on the ambulance, and so uh, 
here where I work, it is completely separate from the fire department. So a lot of places around the country, um, they combine the two of those. So where I happen to work, they don't. So I work for a very large county and we cover like 600 square miles or something like that. And so we have our own individual ambulance stations. And so I work at one and it's just me and my partner. We have, it's two paramedics on a, on a truck. And so it's pretty nice because when I go into work, it's just me and him. And if I'm not on a call, we can pretty much do whatever we want. So I can run SSG from there. I can play video games. I can watch Netflix. I can take a nap. I can do whatever we need to do. Until a call so comes in, of course. <laughs> yeah. So we just we just literally have to, you know, we have a one minute to get from whatever we're doing to the to the ambulance and start driving to whatever call. That's quick. So yeah. being a paramedic, mm-hmm. I, I've always wondered this and I've never asked. Is that something you set out to do? Was that a, an end goal or is that something that you thought, oh, that might be kind of cool and just kind of went for it? So I had started out wanting to be James Bond. Then, um, <laughs> oh, damn, taken. <laughs> yeah, it was taken, and uh, and I'm not English. I think that uh, really, that is really a hurt my chances, too. Uh, but I did have the tuxedo already, so Next. we established that. Right. Um, so I wanted to be in law enforcement, and so I, I thought carrying a gun would be cool and getting bad guys like James Bond would be cool. So that was... That was something I wanted to do. My parents were not excited about that. They did not want me to be a cop, a detective, FBI, anything like that, right? Which, you know, even back, this is 20 years ago even, so back in the in the late 90s, they still were not were not excited about that. I think it's even, even more kind of a, a hazardous and, yeah. you know, job and politically and physically too. So uh, just very scary and dangerous nowadays. So my dad had kind of come up with a couple of different options and one of them was firefighting. And I was like, uh, I don't know. It, d- it didn't really appeal to me at the time, mm-hmm. but he's like, well, let's just go up to the firehouse. So him and I went up to uh, the local fire station and it's this, you know, really nice building walked in and we kind of just, you know, no appointment. We just kind of knocked on the door and, and they answered and they, some, there was a handful of firefighters there and somewhere in the kitchen cooking, somewhere in the living room watching TV. There was one of like, um, somebody was in an office doing office work. And so we walked in and they just kind of were amazingly nice, <laughs> uh, you know, for just kind of showing up and just asking like, Hey, what do you guys do every day? <laughs> and so they were like, this is it, right? Like, you know, Steve's in the kitchen. He's just, he's cooking lunch. You know, we're out here watching TV. Um, and we just do whatever we want until we get a call. And then we go, you know, fight fires, go to car wrecks, go to, you know, whatever people call the ambulance or the, or the uh, fire truck for and we get paid, you know, this amount, of, you know, this amount of money and we have great benefits and a good pension and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow. I was like, because, you know, before then, I don't know what I, th- you know, I guess it's not really a profession I had thought of. Right. And so it was just eye opening to, you know, it was just very casual. Like, like they were, it was like going into their house because that, that, that is what it's like. And so they have a house and they have a kitchen and they have bunk rooms and all this kind of stuff. And they were just, you could tell like they were all friendly and family and it just seemed like a like a fun environment and a fun place to be. And on top of that, right, they're fighting fires, saving lives, getting to do lots of cool things. And so I was like, man, you know, they get paid really well. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start doing that. So I initially kind of went down the avenue of firefighting. And so I had um, went to the local fire academy and finished that and got hired for the uh, the department that put on the fire academy. And, like, I, I enjoyed that for a while. And so... But even then, this is back in 2000, 2001, um, you still had to, being a firefighter wasn't enough anymore. And so they wanted people to be an EMT 
Hmm. And then at that point, it was even transitioning to paramedic. And so here in the Midwest, like people have to be, if you're a firefighter, you have to also be a paramedic, even if you're going to be on the fire truck 100% of the time. Interesting. Because you, you to have that extra skill set and knowledge is always good, right? Like instead of the firemen being just firefighters and a paramedic shows up with two people on the truck, now, you know, if a fire truck and an ambulance comes to somebody that's having a cardiac arrest or they're having an allergic reaction or a stroke, anything like that, they show up, well, guess what? You don't have two paramedics. You have five or six, right? right? So you have a whole bunch of um, people that can help that are all qualified, you know, a whole bunch of different reasons. And so Hmm. I had to go to, if I was going to stay on the the firefighting thing, I was going to have to be a paramedic as well. So I went to, started going to school and did all that. And part of that school is you have to do a bunch of rides on the ambulance. You have to do um, clinicals in the hospital and the emergency room and the OR and the ICU and do all these things. So you can kind of get some more knowledge, get some actual life skills and and, uh, real life patients and things like that and get hands on and and get a feel for what it's like for what it's going to be like in the field. And so I, I rode it two different places on the ambulance and one of them was the place I currently work. And so I found out that um, like I said, said earlier is they are just an ambulance company. They don't do fire. So um, I work for the county and they let all the individual cities within that county handle the fire. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm on uh, when I was doing my uh, student time there, I got to meet all the people and you know everybody there was super nice, super friendly. Um, they had nice modern modern equipment. Everybody was fairly young, which that's not really typical in, in some of the fire industry because you have people um, that have just been there for 20, 30, 40 years, right. and w- which is fine, but, but I was young coming into it, right? And I didn't want to like go into a, a place like where I, where I was coming from, uh, where I went to fire school, where a lot of the guys are older, and it was just um, riding at this new place like literally I walked in and they're playing Xbox in the living room, <laughs> like while they're at work. And I was like, you know, that certainly looks like a dream job to me, right? Like they're getting paid to play Xbox and, and then, Sign me you up. know, they get a call and they go save lives. Right. So I was like, man, that sounds awesome. So the more I talked to everybody that worked there and I got to meet more people, uh, it just seemed like such a dream job because they made just as much money as any really good fire paying job here. And, um, it was very it was a very casual environment it's still a very casual environment which i like so um like i said like currently at the station i'm at it's just me and my partner that's it there's no um because there's one ambulance so there's no bosses administrators there's no secretaries there's nothing so it's literally just a house like it looks like a house with a big garage essentially so we have you know we have our own individual bedrooms we have a big living room a kitchen um the garage a basement all that kind of stuff so so it's really nice, and I was like, well, you know, sign me up. Yeah. And at this time, I kind of had to make a decision because I had been down the road of firefighting, which I really liked. But, you know, in this in the modern world, there's just not that many fires because we have good fire codes. We have good fire inspectors and fire chiefs. And so with the exception of arson, you know, houses don't just randomly catch fire typically. I mean, obviously it happens here. You, you know, you'll, you'll see fires on the news, sure. but, but it's super rare. So even if I was going to stay on the fire side, I would be a quote firefighter, but I'd really probably just be using my paramedic skills or I'd be stuck on the, on the ambulance somewhere anyway, if I would have worked somewhere else. So I'd be a firefighter name fighting maybe 
you know, a handful of fires a year, if that, you know, because e- even if, you know, a fire breaks out somewhere and I'm not on duty, then I wouldn't even get, get to go anyway. So, right. um, so it's like, should I quote, be a firefighter and maybe just do, you know, a couple of fires a year and be a paramedic 95% of the time, or go to this other place where it's apparently really cool, get paid just as well, but just be a paramedic and know that I'm going to be a paramedic. That's awesome. And so I worked, I worked for, um, eight years to try and get a job there. Wow. So finally you said it was oh one oh two. So how how old does that make you when you first walked into that firehouse? Uh, twenty. So I was twenty in nineteen or in two thousand. Okay, wow, that's cool. So I've been doing this for like nineteen years. Wow, that it's amazing how quickly time flies, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that that the the mileage would vary a little bit, but just out of curiosity, um, so <clears throat> when you're on shift, do you do you do like a twenty four hour? Um, so. The, the industry has kind of moved. So we used to do 24-hour shifts, and now we have switched to 48-hour shifts. So when I go in, I'm there for 48 straight hours. So I am working. My next shift will be Saturday and Sunday. So I, I go in Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m., and then I leave Monday morning at 7.30 a.m., and then okay. I'm off for four days. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. That sounds uh, awesome. And so <laughs> that sounds awesome. And so um, – <laughs> Uh, what I said, what, when I said the mileage varies, is was this, actually this next question. But then I was curious how long you were actually at the house. Um, typically, in a forty-eight hour shift, how many how many calls do you actually get? Uh, so that does wildly depend on the area you're in. So, like I said, we we cover like five or six hundred square miles, and we have eighteen stations. And so there are some that are right in the heart of the city, and then there are some that are way out, um, you know, in the country. So. Currently, I'm at one of the ones that's right in the middle of the city, and we run usually about eight to twelve calls a day. Hmm. Um, so you're, you know, so maybe on average you're going to get like twenty calls, um, you know, maybe somewhere sixteen to twenty calls in that two day period. Um, but the station I am normally at, which I'll go back to on uh, January first, we we usually do about six calls a day, five or six calls a day. Oh wow, lots and so of that, and so yeah, and so if you figure. You know, most calls will take an hour to two hours, you know, roughly from when you leave the you leave the station, you get to their house, you do talk to the people there or do any kind of procedure that needs to be done in the house or in the ambulance, drive them to the hospital, talk to the staff there, clean up the ambulance and then get back to the station. You know, it's usually about an hour to two hours, depending on what hospital they want to go to or need to go to. So, you know, if you look at five or six calls, that's like a 10 or 12 hour workday which, you know, is not, that's not crazy, right, no. for, for most no, not people. not by a long shot. I mean, maybe for, for Ghost Rider. <laughs> most people that's, have, that's like three times have, the amount of long days. <laughs> oh, man. So, but, I, I, you know, you work two days and get four days off. Yeah, that's that's. So fun. I really, I, I drive into work once and then leave once, and then that's pretty much it for the week. I'm in the wrong business. That's what I've... I hear that a lot. I'm understanding. <laughs> I believe. Yeah, we'll say, I, say I, would, I would say that, like, like the hours sound great. But the first time I saw somebody bleeding, dude, I'd just puke everywhere and quit. So, Oh, you're one of those? All right. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I mean, it doesn't appeal to me in that sense. You know, I mean, the hours do, but the actual work, uh, you know, that's, I <laughs> yeah. mean. It, it's something, you know, and that was kind of, it was a, a kind of like come to Jesus moment I had when I first started with that because when I'm on the ambulance for the first couple of times, you know, in most jobs, if you mess up something, right, like you mess up, you mess up like the TPS cover sheet report, right? <laughs> like you could just redo that. 
you can just reprint it, right? But like if, if I give somebody the wrong medication or I don't give them a medication they need or I, you know what I mean? Like any number of things that I potentially mess up on the ambulance. Slightly could, more at stake. Right. Could hurt that person, kill that person, could do a lot of things, right? And so it took a lot for me to kind of be okay with that, to be okay with, um, you know, because on the ambulance, like there's only, there, like I said, there's two people, but one person has to drive. So one person's in the back by themselves. So you're the only person back there with a patient, typically. Now, if it's a really, really bad call, a lot of times we'll have um, one of our battalion chiefs will show up or we'll have, um, uh, usually we have the fire department come for like a, uh, if it if it appears like it's a really, really sick person. And so we can have the fire department drive the ambulance for us and then I can have my partner coming back mm. with me. So, But typically um, it, it's just me or it's just him in the back. So, so how do you decide that, it, by the way? Do you guys flip a coin um, when you're leaving? Or? So some partners, yeah, partners do it uh, different. And so if you have the same partner, then usually you'll, you'll have that kind of decided. So my partner and I, we switch every time we transport somebody to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so uh, because a lot of times you'll go to a call and we'll go to like a minor car wreck, like in a, you know, a parking lot. And so nobody's injured. So no, nobody wants to go to the hospital. So, so if I was... Um, the paramedic on that call then i'm just still up i i still i just take the next gotcha. one so him and i don't him and i don't switch unless we actually put somebody in the ambulance and take them to the hospital that's fair um yeah but uh some people like i'll work with other people and they hate that because a lot of times we could have three four five calls in a row where we don't transport somebody right like sometimes um you might have just have an elderly person that they slipped out of bed or you know fell out of their couch and they just need help up they, they're just too weak they, they can't make that transition so we do a lot of these what in the industry is called a lift assist and so we just help somebody off the ground and get them back up or put them in bed hmm. and so you could do two or three of those in a row and you still have to write a report and so you still have to write like hey we went there we saw this we did this we checked vital signs you know they weren't injured you know so there's still some some paperwork to it and some people we work with like hate that because they so most people I, I would say don't do that most people if you if you leave the station they will switch after that hmm. and so we just we just don't do it that way i had a uh i have some friends that we work with and it would drive me nuts because i'm i'm very uh i'm very ocd about a lot of things no. and so <laughs> I like, everything everything has, has its place okay everything's gotta be nice and organized uh-huh. and they, when they get a call, they don't decide who, who is the, uh, the, the teching paramedic until they get um, some information about the call. So one of them does odds and uh, even addresses, or they will do like north-south if it's on the highway or east-west on the highway. Interesting. Um, so they wait till they hear like the address, and they're like, oh, okay, it's your, it's, it's your call. So huh. if you go to, you know, eight even addresses in a row, that person is going to work you know, do all those. Interesting. And then if Remy so was your it, partner, it he definitely would just varies. be like, I'm driving. And then, you know, there, there would be that. <laughs> yeah. Right on. So circling back to gaming, um, obviously over the past decade that SSG has existed, you know, we started with us playing virtually every night. You know, there were specialized nights that we would do, you know, Monday Night Halo and, and things of that nature. But let's be honest, we were playing every single night. We had an opportunity. So from that, Halo. It, it, obviously yeah. Halo. It was always Halo <laughs> at first, for sure. Naturally. Um, and God, SSG started during Halo 3, correct? 
Yes, okay. because Halo 3 came out in 2007. Right. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. So from from then to now, how has your, your gaming, not only your gaming time, but your gaming preferences, your gaming style kind of evolved or changed? Uh, probably the biggest thing that's changed is really the, the games I play. So, you know, when we were playing Halo, whatever Halo game, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo Reach, whatever we were playing it was always multiplayer, right? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we would all, we, you know, launch day, we would all run through and play campaign and we'd occasionally play campaign or firefight, something like that. And then I think uh, certainly the three of us have all flirted with the call of duties and stuff back in their heyday, like modern warfares and, and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but that was straight up multiplayer, right? Like we were just playing competitive, yeah. you know, right. Competitive PVP, um, every night. That's what we were doing. And so, the biggest thing that's changed for me is what really has changed in gaming. And so w- with with the power of the consoles and the internet now, we have got this whole new, well, multiple genres of games that support co-op, right? Jump in, jump out, co-op, drop in, drop in, co-op, where people can, where all you're doing is playing co-op, right? Where it's right. essentially just kind of like a campaign, but it's just ongoing, right? Which the, like, the like the destinies right the destinies um or even like the a classic mmo like like a warcraft right like those those types of games where warcraft maybe pioneered um what where destiny kind of came in and, and kind of really defined this this genre thing and i think it. like re- yeah like remy I, I think you like you and i really both enjoy that that type of game like and i i still have those the roots of like the pvp stuff were halo um, and I still like doing that. I still like going back and playing yep. Halo. Um, but a, a game like Destiny that I do really enjoy, I never play the PvP stuff because I like the PvE stuff so much. I, I just like the, you know, I, I don't need the, the competitiveness part of it, right? Like, I just like the gunplay, the story, um, you know, chasing whatever loot or whatever you want to get. And so that's the part of it that I really like. Okay. Well, dare I say that even even back in the in the... Allies for the Wind days when we were playing Halo 2, Halo 3. I mean, sure, the option was only for competitive natures, but the togetherness of it really was what drew all of us into it. Oh, yeah. For an every night endeavor. Oh, yeah, playing a big yeah. team battle with uh, with eight of your friends yeah. against randos. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, I never, I yeah. never, well, I won't say I never, but I rarely, and I certain have, if this, if this was my only way of playing, would have hopped on Halo every night and played by myself. Right. You know, um, well, uh, you know, the, so the competitive aspect of the multiplayer wasn't what made it amazing. It was you guys. You know, it was having accrued. I mean, at that time, you know, th- there could there wasn't a sign up sheet where there wasn't multiple multiple parties running on any certain any given night. Absolutely not. You know, uh, you know. Well, and and back in the the heyday of like the Halo threes, you know, there would be nights where you know with these allies for the wind crew that we would just rotate people right because mm-hmm. somebody's going to bed and somebody's just jumping on or you know we didn't have it we didn't eight was not nope. enough right? Yeah, right eight was not enough exactly. for us exactly no it was great and so, i miss those days yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah me too and and that that's what that's really what started ssg for me was you know like i like i alluded to before like we were already doing it right like we were essentially already a clan right. And we, because we were functioning as one, right? Like we had, we had defined roles, defined people, right? Like, like we knew that Gambit was going to drive. Like there, there was no yeah. question. There wasn't like really a, f- a fight about it, right? Like um, we just, we knew everybody's roles. And when somebody cycled in, we would just, 
you know, we would ad- they would adapt to whatever that current team was. Like, well, yeah, it, we we legit it, had roles. It was amazing. We had four mm-hmm. four pre-designated roles: the wheelman, the honor guard, which you and your famous shotgun, of course, the raiders, and uh, what was the archers? I believe, yeah, okay. archers. Yep. So long distance and heavy weapons, and then power weapon whores. Yeah, right. <laughs> ah, you're just jealous. What were you, John? You a raider? Well, I'm offended that you don't know the answer. I don't remember, man. It's been a decade. All the times I was in the back of your oh room, yeah, that's right, that's right. You were you were a wheelman. You were you were my gunner. Unbelievable. That's right. That's right. Rolling guns blazing. <laughs> so now you play. So Jay, now you play more the story driven content. Yes. Yeah. I, I I still love single player games, and and I have you know my my gaming has kind of ebbed and flowed, which I'm, I'm sure, you know, happens to all of us, but to where either, you know, I just don't feel like gaming, you know, for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and so I just really won't won't play anything um, to then where a new game comes out or a new system comes out and, and get back into it again. But as of right now, it's ridiculous because I, I still don't have... I still don't game as much as I used to, but I have an insane amount of systems. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I have the Xbox, the PlayStation... So Xbox One, PlayStation 4, the Switch. Uh, I've got a gaming PC that I basically just built for VR, and I've been loving that. And so, uh, and then I just got the Google Stadia. Ooh. So I just have way too many ways to play, like, basically All the same like Destiny. <laughs> I, I, have, I have way too many ways to play Destiny is, is, what, is what the problem is. See, th- those are games that I can't stand because they're, they're never-ending. I need, I need a mm-hmm. finite end to my, my storyline, but... That's just me. We all, well, I guess the listening audience doesn't know my distaste for Destiny, but we'll get there on my. Uh, your your interview will be yeah, next. Yeah, we'll get there on my interview. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, what what kind of hobbies do you do outside of gaming? You got four days off. What what does a a week in the life of Jay look like? Uh, it, you know, when I'm off duty, it, it's it's so nice to be, to be in this non you know, banker's hour world. Like I've never been in it, you know, in my whole life. Like before I got into medicine, uh, I was doing kind of the the servant job. So I was, I waited tables, I bartended, I delivered pizzas. So I've never had the, you know, nine to five job. You're a lucky man. And I I, I feel really lucky because a couple of times I've, I've had to be on, um, actually on my, when I got hired at this last job here on the, on the ambulance, I got injured from a psych patient and so I was uh, I was on light duty and so I had to work nine to five and I remember the first two days like driving into work and I was like oh there's what's all this traffic about and I was like oh it's like <laughs> it's rush hour like you guys do this every day I'm like this is awful yep. like I, I just I was yeah I, like after two weeks I was like I don't care like if I'm still injured I am not I'm going back to work full time <laughs> like this is this is terrible and so my wife always makes fun of me because we, we don't have really a concept of like my wife stays home and she watches the kids, so so she doesn't have like a, a traditional job either, and so it, it works out really good because for us, like there's there's no, you know, we don't have like a, a Monday or like looking forward to Friday because it, it doesn't matter because for us, like you know, when I'm at when I'm home, it might be you know like I said I'm working this Saturday Sunday, so I'll be off Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday this next week, and so it, it's great, right? Like so anytime I need to run errands or get anything done I can just do it anytime during the day but if I happen to go out at 4 30 to go 
run to the grocery store, run to the bank. I, just, I get like so frustrated because there's all this traffic, and she's like, she's like, you should know, and I'm like, I don't. You know, I forget every Normal time. Normal people every do time, it. I'm almost forty, <laughs> and yeah, and I forget. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Um, so it, it's nice not having a, you know, having the having that freedom and not having such a restrictive schedule. Yeah, that um, sounds awesome. And that really leads into, uh, um, I have a second job. And I work, uh, I started my own computer company. So I have a computer consulting company that I run. And I've been doing that almost, uh, actually just about the same time. So it's been about 18 years that I've been, that I've had my computer company. And so, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's really just consulting on what people need. So I do a lot of home, you know, 95% of it is, is home users. So people will call me and they just need help. They, Hey, my, my printer's not working. My, you know, internet's not good. Um, my 10 year old desktop is really slow and I need to get a new computer. And so I try to specialize in kind of helping that person get the best device for what they need. Like one of the things, one of my strengths, I think is kind of thinking outside the, outside the box. And, and I don't just like if somebody says, I want to get a new computer, I, ju- I don't just go over there and say, oh, they have a desktop. Let's go get you a new desktop and, and be the end of it. So I want to decide, like, you you have a desktop. You've only had desktops. Is that still the right thing for you, right? Like a lot of my clients uh, tend to be older. And so if it's a 60, 70, even an 80-year-old and they want to get a new computer device, you know, now we're in the smartphone and tablet and obviously laptops and stuff. And so they might have never considered that. And so... I'll walk into their house and I'll be like, well, let's talk about getting you an iPad, right? Like you don't need this big clunky desktop. You can check your email and surf the web from anywhere. You know, you don't need to go all the way across your house to go to this office where the computer is, right? you know, and then wait 20 minutes for it to boot up so you can go check your AOL email. Like, <laughs> oh you can, man, <laughs> you can, you can do that from, from anywhere. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And so I, I really try to like just kind of broaden some, uh, perspectives for some people and and I think people really really appreciate that. And I you know you know I go into people's homes and uh, and you don't really get that with you know who who else are you gonna call? I guess I mean I guess you could call I don't know I guess the Geek Squad makes house calls yeah but but you know they don't they don't really do stuff like that. And mm, so I only work on uh, I only work on referrals. And so when I get a referral and and I go into somebody's house, they already have this expectation, right? So I've obviously I've gotten a good review from River whoever re- referred me. And then, um, and they kind of have an expectation of, of what to expect, right? So I'll go in and I just kind of look at the whole, kind of the whole computing life, right? Like, hey, you know, let's get you, let's get you a better router. Let's get you, um, you know, let's get you a wireless mouse instead of one with this two foot cord that, <laughs> you know, you, you don't have, you, you know, you don't have any room to maneuver your mouse, right. right? But people, people get kind of tunnel vision or complacent with, with some of these things and w- with computers and kind of our health there's a lot of similarities there and and people just don't know they don't know enough and they don't want to screw it up right so so even if like their mouse cord gets wrapped around something and all they have to do is simply unplug it unwind it and then plug it back in like people think that'll break their computer right or they don't know where it plugs in or you know they just get (laughs) nervous and they don't want to they don't want to touch it they don't want to mess it up because they don't want to do something Hmm. wrong and so i kind of come in and i'll like while i'm talking to somebody i'll just i just clean stuff up right like i organize their space or i reroute the the you know the mouse the keyboard cables like make wi-fi better like you know talk about different things and some people just um it just takes a a second set of eyes to to go over that kind of stuff and there is big parallels to medicine too because on my job on the ambulance you know we run calls and and people 
you know, they just, they don't know. Like, uh, they might have a, a broken arm and they're, they, they call the ambulance because they, they fell again or they're still having pain or they want to go back to the hospital or go see the doctor. And I'm like, and I'll come in and I'll say, hey, what if we, let's adjust your sling because your sling's not on right, right? And so fix their sling so it's sitting right and then they're not in as much pain and they don't need to go to the hospital, right? right? They, they didn't necessarily need to go to the hospital. They just needed advice or help. Like they needed, you know, medical advice. And so... Um, I'll get there and kind of walk walk through somebody about, you know, if they're a new diabetic, talk to them about what that means, right? Like, w- you know, what's at risk, what you need to check, how you need to check, how often, you know, go over just a bunch of bunch of things like that. And like I said, with with computers or our health and human body, like it, it's those are two things that that most people don't know very much about. Hmm. And so it, it's really good job security because for me, there'll always be people that need computer help and people that always need the ambulance. Yes, yeah, so. absolutely. That's interesting. So Absolutely. you're like the holistic computer guy. <laughs> yeah. Right on. And you, you, you live in the Midwest. Have you always lived in that area? I have, un- unfortunately. I mean, I, I, I like the uh, the pace and the city and the people and everything. I don't have any problems with that. But, uh, you know, I made my first trip out to California three years ago. So it only been... All my adult life, I'd never been anywhere on the on the West Coast, really. I, well, I take that. I guess I've been to Vegas before, but, eh, but it's never not had the coast. Uh, yeah, never had never had been to California, <laughs> and it just seemed like it always seemed like someplace I wanted to be. <laughs> like I love the weather. I like you know the people. Right. Um, just the, the whole that whole like environment of it. And yeah, once we went out there, went to San Diego, and I was like, man, this is this is amazing. Yeah. And so I would love. But it's to, also uh, a shit show. I would love to to move. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just a fair point. So, I lived down there for a while. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. I love San Diego, but it's it's absolutely insane. Well, and I wouldn't have to move there specifically, right. but uh, but yeah, I would. I, I think my personality and my I, I think I would fare very very well in in like California somewhere or, so, or something like that. I think uh, you know I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, oh, I miss snow. Like no, I'm fine <laughs> with it being like 72 degrees like every day of the year. Like I, I'm I'm 100 percent fine with that. Yeah, yeah. It, I, so, I think you'd do well out here. I could see it. So yeah, but my family's been—you know—all my family's been here, and my wife, uh, she's she's a big homebody and and doesn't want to leave her friends and family, uh, you know, her parents and stuff like that. Sure. So she wouldn't she wouldn't want to move. I, I can't even get her to move like twenty miles from here. So I definitely <laughs> would not be able to get, get her to move to the coast for sure. Right on. Well, I think we're uh, we're coming to the end here. Are there any any last thoughts or anything you want to leave the audience with? Um, not on me specifically i mean i think they've got more than enough uh more than enough j-man information now that they can, <laughs> there's never enough they J-Man can, they can sleep easy at night but um you know look look for more of these yep. podcasts coming up you know we, we want to do these interviews um you know you know these these ones that that i've done before you know, always end up talking about, you know, the, the SSG origin story, right? Because that, that's just, it's always going to be a part of me. Like, there's there's not a way around yeah, that, absolutely. right? From from my perspective or the interviewer perspective, like, it's just got to come up. So, um, but, you know, we, we want to keep doing these these interviews and these podcasts with all of our, uh, all the SSG Knights, right? All the members. We want to get, um, we want to get a record, right? We want, we want to have a way for people to share their story, right? How they became gamers and how they found SSG and, and all that kind of stuff. So 
I personally like I'm really looking forward to it because there's some of them that I know but I probably forgot yeah. right like I want to hear I want to hear the tales and stories and you know yeah there there are people everybody, I was looking say. at the roster and the people upcoming and there are some people that I haven't spoken to in years and I, I very much look forward to speaking with them so this is going to be a fun project and uh, I hope you the listener enjoy y'all have a great night all right see you guys <laughs>